boys and girls, tonight, you are listening live here to Brandon's World on this Tuesday, November 15th, 2022. We're about to go over all of the Week 10 NFL action in the National Football League as we do here every Tuesday. Before we get started though today, a few quick announcements. First of all, I'm a little bit under the weather today, so if I'm coughing or if I need to take a quick second of a break to take a drink, if you hear some noise in the background, that is why it's going to be a little bit under the weather today, unfortunately. Maybe that's why the intro isn't as hot as it usually is. And the second announcement is, as you guys know, next week is Thanksgiving. Now, usually during Thanksgiving week, we do a special Brandon's World, and that is going to continue. This year, we are going to be doing a special Brandon's World all five days of Thanksgiving week. It is going to be the Brandon's World special on Thanksgiving week. On Monday of that week, we will go over all of the week 11 NFL action like we usually do on Tuesdays that we have transitioned to since I started my new position at a new job. Of course, we did it on Mondays beginning the season. Now we're doing it on Tuesdays. So we're going to be doing that on Monday next week because on Tuesday and Wednesday, we're going to be having two very special guests. One of them is my good buddy Matt Hathaway, friend of the show. The other one is another friend of the show and the host of Pass the Mic as well as Bet the Mac, Enzo Orlando. We've had on Enzo and Matt plenty of times before. Matt was actually a guest for the first time last season on Brandon's World. We're going to bring him on again. Of course, he's a big Steelers fan, big baseball guy, big college football guy. So we'll talk to him a lot about, obviously, his Pittsburgh Steelers, all things NFL, college football, the new MLB rule changes. We'll address that and a lot more as well with Enzo Orlando. Again, that'll be Tuesday and Wednesday. Thursday on Thanksgiving Day will be a pre-recorded special where I will be going over all of the NFL Thanksgiving games. I will get my predictions for those three games as well as if they are part of my best bets for the Week 12 NFL action. And then Friday will be what a normal Thursday is here in Brands World. We will go over to the Thanksgiving games along with we will get the rest of our predictions for, again, NFL Week 12 and our best bets for that weekend. So, very exciting time next week at Brands World. I'm going to be going ahead and recording those interviews, you know, with Matt and Enzo uh, this week. And so I need to rest my voice. It's going to be a busy week next week here for Brands World. I'm excited. I thank you guys for coming along on the journey. As you already know, you can follow me on Twitter at row underscore B-word. You can follow me personally at Brandon Lewis underscore seven. And so without further ado, let's go ahead and get into the Week 10 NFL action. Kicking things off here with the Panthers and the Falcons. Now, I did pick Carolina. I said Carolina was going to win the football game. I thought the way they played against the Atlanta Falcons two weeks ago in that wild game, overtime game in Atlanta, I thought Carolina was going to come back and show that they can beat the Falcons and get a victory, even with P.J. Walker. Again, they ended up winning the game 25-15, so it was not necessarily close. Uh, I thought Carolina did a great job with Deontay Foreman running the football. You know, P.J. Walker did not have a great night passing. He did not need to. Atlanta did not look well prepared. They did not look well coached. You know, they did not look ready to play on a Thursday night on a short week. We'll see if Atlanta can bounce back next week with the NFC South now with Tampa Bay starting to get hot. You know, it's a weird division. 
I said I think Atlanta is a nice story. I don't think they are a, a spectacular team by any means, specifically in the defensive end, and I think Carolina matches up well with Atlanta. Carolina is going to go back to Baker Mayfield this week against the Baltimore Ravens. Apparently, P.J. Walker has some high ankle sprain. We did not see on Thursday. That'll be a very interesting development. But Carolina, you know, we know their season's over. Uh, but they should have two wins against Atlanta. They did get one. They are still playing hard for Steve Wilkes, who I really do not think has a great chance of winning this job in Carolina. But good for the Panthers on picking up that home victory. They do have some defensive pieces. Brian Burns, Jeremy Chin, as we know, offensively, DJ Moore, Deontay Foreman are nice pieces. They need to fix the offensive line, and they need to find themselves a quarterback. As I've been saying all year for Atlanta, I like their offensive pieces, but they need to rebuild that defense. Then over in Germany, where the fans were just spectacular, you got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who really controlled most of the game against Seattle up until the fourth quarter. Obviously, the two great throws by Geno Smith to Tyler Lockett, and then uh, Marquise Goodwin cut the lead. Tampa Bay ended up still winning the game 21-16, though Tom Brady for 399 pass attempts without an interception. That streak ended up getting stopped, of course, with that great play by the Seattle linebacker. But Tampa Bay looked really in control for three quarters. Of course, Julio Jones got the touchdown. Again, they let Seattle come back a little bit at the end. Geno Smith did not have a good first half. Played better in the second half, though not great overall. You know, you're seeing a little bit of the Seattle limitations. Though Geno has played well, and they do have good pieces on offense. You're seeing a little bit of those limitations that Tampa Bay exposed. Because Tampa Bay is just overall the better football team on a neutral site. I think, you know, these London games are weird. These neutral site games are weird for the NFL. The Germany game was weird. Great fans there. Tampa Bay, though, was able to pick up a most important victory. And with Atlanta losing as well as the Saints losing, Tampa Bay has now created some distance for themselves in the NFC South, which, as I've said all along, I've had no confidence they're still going to win that division. Then you get... To the Dolphins and Browns game. And this was honestly the worst game of the weekend. Not just for me in Cleveland. But for the entire NFL as a whole. I thought the Dolphins were going to win. I thought they were going to cover the three and a half point spread. It's why we best bet the Dolphins at three and a half. I said this game was not going to be close. I said the Browns were not going to be able to cover Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle, and the Dolphins' weapons. And, you know, they did a pretty good job on Tyree Kill. Even though he got a touchdown, they did a pretty good job on Jalen Waddle. Who got a touchdown. But at the end of the day. It was Sheffield. And it was Kaseki And it was Engel. And it was Jeff Wilson running the football. It was all of the other guys you did not expect. Who took out the Browns. Miles Garrett did have had little to no impact. Really no impact on the ball game. Because the Dolphins ran the ball so well. I mean the holes looked like a bus. You could run through it there on that Browns defense. The Browns in my opinion now. After what I saw this weekend. Do have the worst run defense in football. Uh, and after the script, you know, Kevin Savansky, he's always been great on script. The Browns usually start the game off well. They get a touchdown. They go up 7 nothing, And then after that, the offense really doesn't do anything. To me, that is a coaching problem. That is a Kevin Savansky problem. That is an adjustment problem. The defense did not adjust all game. Joe Woods' defense is set back and let Dolphins players, you know, have wide open running lanes and wide open receiving lanes all game long. And the offense did not adjust after the first try. That was a bad performance for the Browns coming off a bye. Now they head to Buffalo where apparently there's going to be almost three feet of snow that weekend. And I can't wait to see that game. 
Uh, because speaking of Buffalo, while the Dolphins took out the Browns, the Bills blew that wild game to Minnesota. You all know the catches by Savon Diggs and Justin Jefferson. You all know the sequence in that game with Buffalo getting the stop on Minnesota and then Josh Allen fumbling the football and then they go to overtime. Just wild plays. There was also some bad officiating in that game. Gabe Davis dropped a football that should have been called back. They called a catch. It was a wild game. Again, you already know about it. I don't need to recap it. It's been all over the internet. It's been all over the news. The one thing I do want to say about this game is credit to Minnesota. You know, down 17 points. I thought the game was over. Again, we didn't even know, you know, if Josh Allen was going to start the game. The line was only four and a half. If Josh Allen was going to start the game, we knew he was healthy. I would have taken Buffalo minus four and a half. That bet looked really good for, again, about three quarters. And then Buffalo, and this has been Buffalo's bugaboo all season long, is they have not been able to put teams away. They have struggled mightily to put teams away, specifically in the second half. Josh Allen has turned the football over. Buffalo can't stop nobody. And Minnesota, Delvin Cook, who does not run very well in the first half, just like against the Dolphins, you know, had a very big run. And Minnesota has taken out the Dolphins. They have taken out the Bills. They have now won seven in a row. All close games where they were able to bounce back from being behind 17-0 or 17 point deficit, excuse me, in Buffalo and knocking off the Bills. Very impressive by the Vikings after a much-needed Packer win now, and the Bears won as well. And the Philadelphia losing, though, puts Minnesota in a position to potentially get that number one seed uh, down there in the NFC. Next game, another incredible comeback here by the Lions. Again, defeating the Bears 31-30. I thought we had this one. I did not bet this game. You know, the line of Chicago minus three looks pretty good. You know all Lions games are going to come down to a kick. They're going to come down to the last play. And Justin Fields, even though he's a great runner, and Chicago has moved the football by running the football, it was not enough. As Jeff Akuda, his former team manager of the Ohio State, made a great play on an interception. That all but won the Lions the football game. And for the first time in the Dan Campbell regime. Listen, we all wrote off Dan Campbell and the Detroit Lions after week 8. And yet here they are week 9 and 10. They have won now back-to-back -back football games. And, you know, maybe the Lions start building something. I still think that they're inconsistent on defense. You don't know what you're going to get from Jared Goff week to week. That was the best performance on the road Jared Goff has had in probably two to three years against a good Bears defense with a defensive-minded coach and Matt Eberflus. So this was two bad teams at the bottom of the NFC North really battling a competitive game. It, it was actually, you know, fun to watch and credit to the Detroit Lions. So again, under Dan Campbell, they just keep battling. They have already won the same amount of games this year that they have won last year. Alright, this was a really boring game. Steelers took apart the Saints 20-10. Nothing special from Kenny Pickett. Nothing special from Andy Dalton. It's what you would expect between two defensive teams and the Steelers and Saints. Two not very good football teams. TJ Watt came back. Obviously made a difference for Pittsburgh. It's the reason why we bet Pittsburgh plus three. And we covered that best bet. I thought this was the best bet of the weekend. Pun intended there, when we do our five best bets, I always like to give you one that I really, really like and say that is, without a doubt, my best bet of the week, and this was it this week. Uh, Pittsburgh plus three. I thought Andy Dalton being outside, being in Pittsburgh with a Saints team who's not used to being outdoors in chilly Pittsburgh on the road in November. I thought it was a good recipe for the Steelers, and good for them again to bounce back at home.
Giants beat Houston 24-16 again. Not a lot to say about this game. It's weird because you want to think the Giants are a bad football team, but they're not. Uh, and they just ended up getting the victory over Houston. The Giants, to me, they have played a weak schedule. I'm not really impressed by them. Uh, they find a way to win games. I will say that. Daniel Jones has looked better under Brian Dable's coaching. But I'm still not completely bought in on the Giants. And Houston, as we know, Davis Mills is okay. You know, he's not great. Uh, Houston is kind of Houston. They hang around there for three and a half quarters. They play impressively, but they end up losing by one possession. This was just a typical bad football game that not a lot of people really watch. Speaking of a bad football game here, Tennessee defeated Denver 17-10. This game took forever. Uh, Derrick Henry did not run the football that well. Ryan Tannehill and Russell Wilson were throwing incomplete passes and getting sagged left and right. This was a really ugly football game between Tennessee, who it, it looks like, uh, what's his name, D.D. Akiti Westbrook, Nicole Westbrook, something like that. He may be the only playmaker Tennessee has in the wide receiver position. He caught two touchdowns, which ended up being the difference in the ball game. One of them on a long blast pass, excuse me, but anyhow, on a broken play. Um, but Denver's issues are not solvable. Russell Wilson is getting sacked left and right. It looks like there's no floor to the offense. It looks like that they are uninspired. And at this point, like I have said all along since about week two, I think it's time to fire Nathaniel Hackett. I think Denver has sort of lost their identity. Yes, they beat Jacksonville in London, and they were coming off a bye, and Russell Wilson did not look any better wearing that wristband against Tennessee. I thought this would be a good bet. You know, we weren't sure Malik Willis was going to play or if it was going to be Brian Tannehill. When this was recorded on Thursday, turns out that it was Ryan Tannehill, and Tannehill ended up winning the game for the Tennessee Titans in a very weak AFC South division. Again, Tennessee still looks like the winchpins of that division. Next game. Now, I changed out the Los Angeles Rams because of the issues there with Matthew Stafford and Kyler Murray, and I replaced it with the Chiefs 9.5 in best bets against Jacksonville. They barely covered by 10 points. Defeating the Jags 27-17. The score doesn't really indicate Kansas City dominated most of the game. Time of possession. Mahomes hitting the short pass. Obviously the touchdown pass to Travis Kelsey. The touchdown pass to Kadarius Tony. Trevor Lawrence did have one of his best games this season. Uh, he did not look too bad. He was able to move the ball. Uh, went a bit on the Kansas City defense. But overall the Chiefs won by 10. Winning at 27-17. And then you get to the Jeff Saturday Indianapolis Colts who defeat the Las Vegas Raiders 25-20. I took Vegas in my best bet, minus 6. And by the way, for the record, in the 1 o'clock window this week, I had hit, let's see, I went 1-0, and 2-0, 3-0, 3-1, 4-1, 5-1, 6-1, 7-1, 7-2, 8-2, it looks like, right? Because there's well, no, it would be 7-2 because there were 14 games. Yeah, I went 7-2 in the 1 o'clock window, and I hit three out of the five best bets with Vegas and Dallas to go. And then I don't know what happened in that 4 o'clock window. Again, we started off 7-2. We finished 8-6 on the week in the money line. Just an absolute crazy 4 o'clock window. That kicked things off with the Colts and Raiders, who, again, as I said on Thursday, if the Raiders were to lose this game, I would have fired Josh McDaniels right then and there. 
Jeff Saturday pulled a surprise with Matt Ryan coming out instead of Sam Ellinger, but it really shouldn't have made a difference. I mean, Jonathan Taylor ran the football like mad against that Raiders defense, which seemingly cannot stop anybody. Uh, they are a mess. Josh McDaniels is a mess. He doesn't seem to have control of the football team right now. Devontae Adams is really struggling to get open. He is not putting up numbers. Derek Carr seems lost in this system without Greg Olson, the last year's offensive coordinator, obviously with John Gruden and then Rich Versaccia. Vegas essentially decided we are going to replace Rich Versaccia with Josh McDaniels. And Josh McDaniels, who was the former coach of the Denver Broncos, is going to lead us. He's going to get his second opportunity as a head coach, and it's just not working. Again, their defense is terrible. They cannot stop Matt Ryan. They cannot stop Jonathan Taylor. And the Colts played physical, and they got up on these Raiders receivers. It was really impressive to see Jeff Saturday, who again, has no coaching at any level whatsoever, to be able to go into Vegas, win that football game, and to me, it's more an indictment on Vegas and the Colts. I do not expect the Colts to keep winning moving forward. I think my Philadelphia Eagles, after that performance last night against Washington, bounce back. I think they will defeat the Colts, um, you know, this coming Sunday. But credited it Saturday for getting his first win in the National Football League. Next game, we got the Cardinals and Rams. I mean, this was not a lot to talk about. It was Colt McCoy versus John Wolford. Arizona won the game 27-17. It really wasn't close. The Rams do not look good once again. I do not think the Rams now, who are going to be at, what, 3-6, and six, I believe. Uh, I think that they are done. I don't think that they are a playoff team this year, as I said a long time ago. I think they need to revamp their offensive line. I think they need to get more aggressive on defense. They're not turning the football over uh, for, for their offense to get the ball back. And Cole McCoy, who we've seen back up Kyler Murray, who seemed like he was dealing with a little bit of an ankle or a hamstring injury, uh, hopefully for Arizona's sake, he gets back because there's a big divisional game in Mexico. Monday Night Football, Niners-Cardinals. That could be Arizona's chance to get back in the NFC West, depending on what happens with the Seattle Seahawks who I believe uh, are going to be on their bye week. So that is a good chance for Arizona if they can beat San Francisco at home. But Kyle Shanahan has had Arizona's number. And, you know, the Rams, they just do not look good. And John Wolford does not look like a starting quarterback in the NFL. Okay, next game. We got the Packers and the Cowboys. Christian Watson's coming out party after it was 28-14 going to the fourth quarter. Cowboys fans are happy. Mike McCarthy's return to Green Bay is going great. And then Aaron Rodgers and Christian Watson happened. And Dallas melted down. And Dallas went for it in overtime on that fourth down that I absolutely would have kicked the field goal. Uh, and at least given yourself a chance. You know, Brett Maher, the Cowboys kicker, can kick from long distance. I would definitely kick the field goal out of that. Uh, but credit to the Packers. You know, Aaron Rodgers, Christian Watson, they finally got something going offensively. They finally had one weapon to catch a pass outside of Alan Lazard, outside of Robert Tunney in the tight end. Dealt with that running game, which they did not get a lot of with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. So a much-needed win for Green Bay. I was surprised they got the win. I thought when it was a 14-point game, I did not think Green Bay could come back. I thought it was down and over with. 
And now this will be very interesting because Green Bay is not very good. They lost Deontay Wyatt, their rookie out of Georgia in the game. They've had a lot of injuries on defense. They're not very good at stopping the run. And next week, on a short week, Thursday night, they are at home, yes. But they go and they play the Tennessee Titans in Lambeau with Derrick Henry. That's a very interesting game. Those are two teams that love to run the football with teams with not a lot of weapons. Very interesting styles there going at it. But big credit to the Packers for getting a bunch of needed victory. As I said last week, I bet Dallas minus five. I thought Ezekiel Elliott was coming back. He did not. I thought Tony Ballard anyway could go in there. I thought Dak Prescott, that offense, would move the football. I thought they would defeat the Packers by at least a touchdown. And again, it was looking good going into the fourth quarter. And then Dak Prescott struggled. He threw two interceptions in the first half that cost them points. Uh, and, you know, they were not in rhythm at all in the second half. Green Bay's defense, defensive coordinator Joe Barry, kind of figured out the Cowboys' scheme, and Green Bay went in there. They never gave up. They knew they needed a win, or their season was essentially over. The Jordan Love talk, which I started last week with our good buddy Austin Arnold, uh, would have started back up, and Green Bay ended up getting the victory in overtime, 31-28. Let's see if the Packers can continue riding that momentum. And for Dallas now, they host Minnesota at home in a pivotal game in the NFC. The Cowboys are still two games back of the Philadelphia Eagles in the NFC East. And this is a big game for Minnesota because if Philly somehow loses to Indianapolis, Minnesota defeats Dallas. The Vikings would be the number one seed in the NFC, led by Kirk Cousins. And again, that would be very important for them to get home field for out uh, in that Minneapolis Dome. Very interesting to see what happens here with that Cowboys-Vikings game this week in Dallas. Next game, very physical game here. I thought the Niners were going to absolutely kill the Chargers. That was not the case. I was not that impressed by San Francisco. They were on a watershed motion with Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey. That was not getting a lot of yards. George Kittle, I believe, only had a couple catches for San Francisco. The Niners seem like, at this point, they do not trust Jimmy Garoppolo. They seem very run-reliant, very motion-reliant, and unlike Mike McDaniel in Miami, who the Dolphins go to San Francisco in a couple weeks, it just feels like San Francisco's offense is not explosive as what it should be. They have to ground and pound and get defensive turnovers and rely on that very good defense. And the Chargers, they played very well in that first half, but ultimately not having Mike Williams, Keenan Allen really hurt them. They also lost a lot of people on their defensive line. They could not stop the run in the second half. And the Niners were able to run the football all over the Chargers in the second half. And that's a one in the football game. After again, Justin Herbert made some good key throws in that first half to get the Chargers in the ball game. Now we got Chiefs at Chargers. Sunday night in SoFi. The Chargers seem to always play the Chiefs well. The question will be, can they hold on to the lead and win the ball game? It's Andy Reid versus Brandon Staley. I'll take Andy Reid. I'll take the Chiefs to win. But I think it's a very competitive game. I think the Chargers get up for the Chiefs. They know they need to beat the Chiefs to stay in contention for that AFC West Championship crown. Going to be a great game, I believe, Sunday night at SoFi. And then finally, all the officials of that Commander's Eagles game. 
the Miss Face Mask, the Run in the Past apparently by Rule is apparently the right call. Tyranny gave up. What a smart play that was. Obviously, the hook and lateral allows Washington to get six extra points. Win the game 32-21 over Philadelphia. No, I'm not used to losing. Yes, congratulations, Austin Arnold and his Washington Commanders for winning that football game. Ron Rivera and the Commanders had a great game plan. Run the football. The Eagles are the 23rd worst defense in the NFL at stopping the run this year. They're not very good without big Jordan Davis in the middle. Yet Washington only got three yards per carry in the ball game. It wasn't like they ran it all over Philadelphia. It's just Taylor Heineke made Keith Rhodes and Terry McCorn mostly on third downs. He moved the chains. Washington had what? Three or four drives in the ball game where they took over seven minutes on the clock and ended up scoring the football. I mean, Philadelphia only had the ball for, what, four or five minutes in the first half. Crazy thing is the Eagles could have also won the football game. All three turnovers, whether it was the Jaywood Ernst interception that was thrown perfectly to A.J. Brown, went off his hands. The face mask on Dallas Goddard, that was a face mask they did not call. And then the... Um, the, the one where Quez Watkins caught it and then was stripped from behind, which was unbelievable. So every bad break went Philadelphia's way. The the 72 Dolphins are celebrating. The Eagles are no longer undefeated. But I still feel like the Eagles still played a very good game and they would have got the ball back if it wasn't for that Brandon Graver running the passer penalty. They could have won the football game. I'm not too upset about it. I think the Eagles will bounce back. I think they're still one of the best teams in the NFL. I still think they're the best team in the NFC. I thought the offense, in particular, still moved the ball really well last night against Washington. I just thought, again, some wonky breaks. Defense made some key stops at the right time. They really gave up only six points in the second half. Sly hit two bomb field goals, one from 58 and one from 55. I mean, if those don't go in, we're having a different conversation again. So, every, again, every good bounce went Washington's way. Credit to Brian Robinson. Credit to Antonio Gibson for running the football. Good game plan by Ron Rivera and crew. And Taylor Heineke in Washington. Taylor Heineke's a gamer. He gets the football out. He played well. And Washington is now at 500. And I hate to say it, but I think there is a real possibility here that all four of the NFC East teams make the postseason. And with that, again, we went 8-6 and six and straight up money line. We were 7-2, and two, only missing the Bears and the Bills. Heading into the 4 o'clock window, I missed Vegas, I missed the Rams, I missed Dallas, and I missed Philadelphia. So all three of those 4 o'clock games, I flat out missed on the money line. Best bets-wise, again, we hit Pittsburgh plus three. We had the Dolphins minus three and a half. We had Kansas City minus nine and a half, which I replaced with the Rams after I learned that Matthew Stafford was not out, which you can see all those amendments on my Twitter page. Again, at real underscore B-World. Miss Vegas minus six. Miss Dallas minus five. Now, overall, we are now 29 for 50 on the year in best bets. That is 58%. Last year in best bets at the end of week 10, we were only 24 and for 50. We did have one push in there. We do not have a push this year yet, but that was only 48%. So again, 24 for 50 for 48% last year. This year we are five better at 29 for 50 and 58%. So that is good on the best bet side. 
on the money line side, through 10 weeks last year, we were 92-58. and 58. There have been the same amount of games played this year, and this year, we are four games worse at 88-62. and 62. Now, saying that, week one this year was an absolute disaster. I mean, week one this year, we went... Seven and nine, or excuse me, we went eight and eight in week one. We went nine and seven in week two. And we went seven and nine in week three. We were at 500, 24 and 24 for the first three weeks of the season. We also had some weeks where we went eight and six, like this week, week 10, week six, week seven. So that's three weeks we went eight and six. So it's really been, you know, week eight where we went eleven and four in the money line. You know, week nine where we went nine and four in the money line. Uh, you know, week five we went ten and six. Week four we went ten and six. So week three, week four, and then uh, week eight and week nine really starting to turn out that money line. Those have been our drivers of the season in the money line to get us where where we are at right now uh, at that eighty eight. And 62 mark because the start of the season was so bad again. We were at 500 for three weeks. So to be 26 games above 500 right now, I will take it. We'll have to see what my predictions are going into week 11. That will be on Thursday. And with that, thank you so much for sticking with me again today here for Brandon's World. Again, I'm a little bit under the weather, so I apologize for the lack of energy, the lack of urgency, if you will. But I'm still right here recording, man. My voice is still here. As long as my voice is still here, we'll be breaking down all of the NFL action in Week 11 on Thursday. Plus, the latest in the college football rankings. Not a ton of upsets this week. We'll have to see how the, how the committee ranks the top four teams in the country. We'll talk about that on Thursday as well. And until next time, I hope you guys have a terrific Tuesday. And we'll see you guys on Thursday. Peace.